everyone, and welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. It's the podcast where we watch The Muppets Take Manhattan two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Anthony Strand. And I'm your other host, Ryan Rowe. Joining us today, we have a person who has appeared on this podcast many times, but it's always a thrill to have him. Guest, who are you? I am Joe Hennis, and I am co-owner and editor-in-chief of ToughPigs.com. Hello, everybody. Joe Hennis, the the co-host of The Muppets, the sitcom, the podcast. That's right. That's true, too. On another podcast. You can't get rid of me. Wow. I'm so excited. And now I'm I'm trying to think in my head if whether that podcast will still be running new episodes by the time this episode comes out, but I don't oh, know. Well, you know what? If it's not, those episodes of Muppets, the sitcom, the podcast are still available yeah, on our other uh, podcast stream. So if you haven't listened to that yet, then you, you can listen to my voice and, and Ryan's voice on alternate episodes. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, like a whole bunch of episodes. Go do it as soon great. as you finish listening to this. Yes. Or stop <laughs> right now and go listen to that. I love that show, man. You guys, I love it. I was Thanks. only on one of them. But I love all the ones. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So, uh, is, is, do you prefer Muppets the sitcom to the podcast to the Muppets the sitcom? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I would. I would much rather hear the two of you talk about anything than watch the Muppets the sitcom. Uh-huh. Uh, all right, but these we're not talking about that today. We're talking about Muppets Take Manhattan, and specifically, we are talking about minutes twenty-seven and twenty-eight. In these minutes, Rizzo introduces his four new co-workers and also his fifth new co-worker, Kermit, who asks Pete for a job. Mm-hmm. So we, we do start with, we, when we last we left off, Rizzo was just about to open the door and introduce some additional help for himself. And this time he does it. We meet his four new rat. I don't even know if they're his friends. I was about to say friends, but I'm not sure that's accurate. Um, they are yeah, I his- guess we don't know like what their actual social uh, relationship is. Right. I mean, he's doing them a favor by by hooking them up with a job. So they probably say that they were friends with Rizzo because it's like it would be like a dick move to not like to be like, well, he's not my friend, even though he's like giving me gainful employment. But yeah, that's I don't know. True. yeah, that's true. So, um, so who are they in the order that in which they are introduced? The first one is Tatooie, a sailor rat, a rat wearing a navy uniform for unknown reasons. We never hear anything about this. No, like was he not- in the navy? We don't know. Like, well, and he's got a he's got a, a rad tattoo on his chest. He has That's an anchor tattoo where his on name his chest. comes from. Yeah, right. But so he, you can have a tattoo without being in the navy. Like you know? that's true. I, I mean, no, also, these are these two separate thoughts. Right. <laughs> also, um, his but, name comes from the fact that he is the rat tattooey. Well, that's and, the, well, that's what I wanted to talk about later. Is that all three of the guy rats here have pun names? Yes, and Yolanda, as far as I can tell, let's just talk about that now. Then. Um, what so they are rat tattooey, right? A, yes. a pun on the on the dish ratatouille. Yeah, which by the way, film. this is twenty three years before the Pixar movie made the same right. joke. So, right, but the peasant dish ratatouille, uh, as the Pixar movie calls it, existed. <laughs> yes, it's a it's um, a French stew, which, as far as I know, that has nothing to do with sailors. Right, so that's weird, which makes it even weirder that he's in the navy. Yes, um, and then. Uh, the second one is Masterson, who is a butler. He's wearing a butler's uniform. <laughs> he's very nicely he's just, dressed. He has a, a tux, like, little tuxedo thing. He's, he's very un- polite. I appreciate that about Masterson. But he's unemployed. Like, 
Masterson is just like a butler, but he's not a butler because he just got a job at a diner. He wanted to make sure to look nice for his job interview. That's right. Um, he might be waiting tables. So, you yes. know, like, like a maitre d'. Yes, waiting oh, right. tables in his little That's bow tie. True. Yeah. Um and and Masterson is is so it's Rat Masterson, right? He's he's named after the old west lawman Bat Masterson. Right. Which like before we we uh recorded this episode, Anthony, you and I were talking about this. And like I'd always I I always knew, I don't know how long I've known, probably not when I was a kid, but like I got Rat Tattooey joke. Probably but, since 2007, yeah. you've known it, right? Like, probably, yeah. But like, it wasn't until like you and I were like literally talking about it like a, like a couple of weeks ago that I was like, and then Master said, "Oh man, like I just got it. <laughs> I literally just got that joke." Yeah, right, Bat right. Masterson, Rat Masterson, yeah, Bat Masterson. Um, and then of course we're Joe and I are are like Joe and I love obscure DC characters of all stripes. So there was also a Bat Masterson takeoff in DC Comics named Bat Lash. Yeah, that's right. Like, Popish old west lawman, right? That was so. definitely like a, a take on Bat Masterson, right? That character, right? For, for sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. It has nothing to do with Batman, like you would no, think right. a DC yeah. Comics character with Bat in the name mm. would be. Yeah, he's unrelated. Unlike unlike Batgirl, Batmite, Ace the Bat Hound, those guys are all connected to. <laughs> but Batman. I feel like they've met Bat- at some point in a time travel story, right? Yeah, they definitely yeah, have. I would uh, yeah. not be surprised if like a Roy Thomas or a Grant Morrison decided to like tie them together in some way. Yes. Or to Jeff Johns, right? Like, um, but anyways, the last one here, the last male character that we meet with a pun name is Chester who, so Tattoo is a sailor. Masterson is a butler and Chester is a sneeze boy. He, like, he has a cold. That's, that's all we know about him. He, he sneezes and he says, I feel terrible. <laughs> Do you, but here's the question. Do you think that Chester has the plague? <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe. maybe I does. don't know. Yeah, it's a good, that's a good point. That's, a good point. that's exactly the kind of with. guy that you want working in the kitchen at the restaurant where you're eating. Right. Well, but that's the whole joke with rats working at the kitchen anyway, well, yes. right? Like, yes. Um, but so, so Chester's name, as far as I can tell, is a pun on Rochester, right? Which is a, a city in New York, a city in Minnesota. And the name of Eddie Anderson's character on the Jack Benny program. Yes, as as far as I can tell, that's what the joke is. So that's Rochester. This is Ratchester, and um, and then the final one is Yolanda, who is like she's just Smurfette here. I mean, you, you guys are talking about Muppets 2015. Yolanda will go on to have a lot of personality on that program. But yeah, here, they really like, did right by Yolanda in the later episodes of that show. Right, but like here, she's. Li- I mean, the, the, okay. The other three don't say much when they're introduced, but Yolanda doesn't say anything in this clip. And not all. only does she not get to say anything, but she's just introduced by Rizzo saying, what a crazy body. Right. right. She's introduced <laughs> just like, like Rizzo objectifies her. That's yeah. the only reason there's that's, a girl that's all she gets by way of introduction. I, yeah. I definitely like, I don't, I don't appreciate the fact that like, yes, Yolanda only exists to be objectified and to be like a female version of an existing male character, which rat. is, yeah, like a problem that I think a lot of um, a lot of all ages and kids programs have, including the Muppets, is you know introducing female characters that are just male uh, female versions of of existing ones. But I love I love the joke that Rizzo says, "What a crazy body!" Even though all the rest look like identical pairs, right? She <laughs> has know? she has she has his exact body. That is right? true. Yeah. But like, whoa! <laughs> like, did you see? <laughs> 
Yeah, that's true. Um, so so we, we should also talk about who performed all these characters, uh, even though they don't get much to do here. Uh, they do all have performers. Tatooie is Brian Meal, who I guess we mentioned briefly on Great Muppet Caper. Yeah, he, he also worked the- on the Dark Crystal, where we talked about him a little bit. Oh, right. That's right. Yeah. He was one of the main Sesame Street guys at this time. He was he was uh, Telly, you know, in those days. And Pearl, one of my favorite characters, Dina's <laughs> babysitter, Pearl. Yes, he um, was also the first Grungetta. Yeah, right. He was Grungetta. Um, so he was like for a few years in around this time, early 80s, one of the main Sesame Street performers. Then he like more recently, he has written middle grade novels. Um, I have some of them at my school library. Mm-hmm. I read one called called Suck It Up. It was good. It's about like a kid, it's about a vampire teen fighting for like vampire representation in modern culture. There are so many middle school novels about vampires and monsters and stuff like that. Right. Well, this was like it's from like 2010, so it's like Twilight. Oh, Post Twilight. You know? Okay. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Th- that doesn't sound nearly as exciting as like Forgetful Jones. <laughs> right, right. Um, but yeah, he so, was so he was Clementine to to the original Forgetful Jones too. Yeah, oh, was right. he Clementine? I forget. Yeah, I can't remember who was who. Forgetful but, uh, Jones was like Michael Earl Davis. That's right. right. Even more I get him confused with Michael Earl, Earl, Davis. Earl Davis. Yeah. Michael Earl Davis, a, a rat in this movie? No, he's not. But the next rat is Masterson, who is a three named performer, Bruce Ooh. Edward Hall. And Bruce Edward Hall has very few um, credits with the Muppets. He worked on a couple of the play-along videos in the 80s. Yeah, um, he was in Neat Stuff to Know and Do. The Muppet Wiki right. says he played a homing pigeon and a skipping stone in that video. <laughs> yeah, so he didn't do much. Um, he he has passed away in 2003 uh, at, at the age of 49, so died relatively young, which is sad. Um, he later wrote a bunch of fiction and nonfiction books about Chinatown and Chinese immigrants in the U S yeah. He, it's kind of was Chinese Im- that he, he seems to have left puppetry behind to become a writer of this, this, these historical books. Right. Um, and he, he himself was Chinese American, which I mentioned only because his name is Bruce Edward Hall, which doesn't necessarily scan as being Chinese American, but he was. Yeah. I read that his, I think it was his great grandfather changed the family name when he yeah, like you know, at some point, that's especially interesting because there's there's so few Muppet performers of color, especially in these days. Um, so like, I mean, it's a shame that you know we we've been talking about this a bit uh, recently on on like the topics forum and stuff. Just uh, you know, like when we're recording this, this is this is like a week or so after there was a an article in the Hollywood Reporter that pointed a finger a little bit at Muppet performers. Um, being mostly uh, or entirely white and uh, mostly male, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting that like like I can't name more than a few from the eighties, like because this is before Kevin Clash joined the troupe, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I don't know, like I don't know if that was something that they were trying to do, and then and then this guy didn't quite make the cut, or um, if it was just it just so happened that they had an Asian American who did a couple of parts for Jim Henson and, and then kind of moved on in his career. Yeah. And yeah, I never would yeah, have known know. that about him if I hadn't looked him up for this episode. So. Right. Me too. Same. Yeah. It's, it, it's, interesting. it's, it's definitely someone that I have never thought about for even a second. Right. You know? well, but then it, it, that like, makes it even more interesting credit, that he but... has two speaking characters in this movie. In this movie. Yeah. And he's going to have get... another one later on. 
Yes, and we will get to who it is. It's it's going to be a surprise, I think. It's not, yes. I'm sure. If you're listening to this podcast, you you probably already know. But stay tuned. Um, yes. But, and then the uh, the next character, Chester, was played by Dave Goals, who I don't think we need to get into Dave Goals' credits. He's he, he plays Gonzo in all these movies, you guys. like <laughs> We know that guy. Yeah, it's, he's Dave Goals. He's from TV. He played. He's gonna be. <laughs> he's gonna be Rugby Tiger in a little bit. You know. Wait, Dave the Human? Yeah, that, Dave, that no, Dave Goals. No, I thought Bill Beretta played Dave the Human. Did Dave Goals not play Dave the Human on the Animal I, Show? I think the, the puppet Goals Dave the Human was played by Bill Beretta, and then they showed like the documentary style footage of a human in his natural habitat was Dave Goals. Right, and well, it's, I, I knew well, the Dave, second part for sure. But wow! But Dave was playing uh, Stinky the Skunk. Right. He's one of the hosts. So, so in why case would there's, they? Why would? In, in why case would there's anyone have, who doesn't know what we're talking about, it's a bit from the Animal Show, the the '90s uh, Henson Company production. Yes, in the '90s Henson Company production, the Animal Show, the two main characters were played by Steve Whitmire and Dave Goals, which is wild to me. Like, I feel like. A few, if it had premiered two years later or something, the the leads would definitely be like younger puppeteers. Who oh, yeah, just that it was those are two of the main guys. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like the two main characters on that show were played by Steve Whitmire and Dave Goals, and it was like a, a new new characters. Yeah, that's the last. That's the last time either of those guys ever did anything like that. I guess that's true. Yeah, just this I mean, little I'm educational. Like, like, I mean, it's a fun show, but yeah, just this little educational yeah. show that doesn't have really any of the main Muppet characters. Right, and and nothing against like the younger puppeteers who are all great and who have played new characters in in other shows since, but like that that next generation of puppeteers would you know, Brand the Big Blue House doesn't have Steve Whitmire and Dave Goals as Bear and Tutter is right. what I mean. You, <laughs> right. you know, and it, again, you know. Nothing but respect for Noel McNeil and Peter Lynch, who are wonderful and who who I admire greatly. Yeah. But it's just it's just interesting to me. I don't know. Um, so then the last one, speaking of puppeteers who I admire greatly, uh, the last one here is Yolanda, who again does not speak in this clip, will speak in the movie, and is played by Karen Prell. This is the first time we've ever seen Karen Prell in a Muppet movie. So who's Karen hmm. Prell, Ryan? Who is Karen Prell? Well, okay. Uh, she just right around this time, she had worked on the Muppet Show a little bit in the final season, but she's Red Fraggle at this time. She's she's tearing it up in Toronto as Red Fraggle every week, right? <laughs> um, and she had also been Dina. I mentioned that Brian Meal was Pearl on Sesame Street, Dina's babysitter. Karen Prell was Dina, who is a character on Sesame Street that I'm kind of fascinated with for no reason. She was just this like new little kid monster that was, I think, kind of supposed to be like a featured character. Well, wasn't and the idea that like, whereas Cookie Monster is obsessed with cookies and there are all these characters who have their their thing that Dina's thing was that she wanted to play all the time. Yes. And it is obnoxious. It's right. dreadful. <laughs> this is... So which, which came which came first? Between Elmo and her? No, no. Which came first between uh, Dina and Pearl and Mother Sigma Manhattan? Uh, Dina and Pearl was season 12. So that's 1980 is when Dina was introduced. Hmm. And so this is like a reunion of Dina and Pearl. The Dina and Pearl the rats, <laughs> the rats in the diner. Yes. You, just when you, and actually, there was a little while. There's a, a sketch, a Dina and Pearl sketch, where um, Dina doesn't want to go to bed. 
And for a little while, my daughter Iris was like super into that and wanted to watch it all the time. It, and it that took was a few this, decades, but Dina finally resonated with young kids. With with, with a one <laughs> four year old for for about a month, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, but uh, yeah, it, it happened. All right, so um, we should also say about Karen Prell. She, you know, we mentioned that Brian Mule became a young adult author. Bruce Edward Hall became an author. Karen Prell didn't become an author, but she did become an animator. And she worked at Pixar. Like she worked on A Bug's Life and Toy Story 2. I feel like we don't talk enough about the fact that Karen Prell is so amazing that she's <laughs> in Muppets Take Manhattan and worked on Toy Story 2, the greatest animated movie of the 1990s. Like that's yeah. wild. Yeah. More people you know, I'm trying to think of any of the other I'm trying to think of any of the other Muppets Take Manhattan stars appeared in Toy Story 2, because there's so many celebrity voices in that. I, I um, guess not. No, I don't think so. Don't um, think so. That would be I, interesting, like, though, if, if it was like, if they were like on the red carpet of the Toy Story 2 premiere and Karen Prell, <laughs> I don't know, Don Rickles, if Don Rickles yeah, was let's... in this movie, we're both like, oh, hey, remember Don... me from Man? Don Rickles could have played Martin Price. That would have been fine. He could have. Yeah. You know? That would have been good. Or I mean, Bernard except Crawford, for the fact frankly. that uh, Dabney Coleman is the best. Yeah. I mean, he could have played Bernard Crawford too. Either one, man, you want to any, any like old man theatrical producer in this? Sure. Don Rickles. Why not? (laughs) Right. And then he could have called Kermit a hockey puck. (laughs) He could have, that would have been good. He could have played Linda Lavin's part and been like, Hey Kermit, you're Enrico Tortellini of Passaic, New Jersey. Yeah. You hockey puck. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So can I ask you a question, Joe? Is yeah. people a hockey puck the only thing you know about Don Rickles? <laughs> no, I know other things about him, but it's easily my favorite thing about Don Rickles. And I'll, uh, here's a stupid. Here's a story that is not actually a story. When I was in college, um, we used to go to. We had like a like a hockey team that it wasn't like a like a college team. It was like a club team, but like it was all we had. So we used to go to those hockey games. Uh, and I, I don't know anything about hockey, but it was pretty fun to to go and, and sit in the stands and watch. Um, and then over the the years that I, I was there, I've caught two pucks um and for some reason like my friends and i decided that we needed to name them <laughs> and i don't remember what we named the second one but the first one was definitely named don rickles sure uh, yep so yeah, not second- not a real story not there's, there's no beginning or middle of that story but you should man, have, did you i should, did i land the ending <laughs> you should have named the second one brent spiner because he played puck on gargoyles Whoa. oh that'd be pretty good wish i had yeah. thought of that yeah, she had friends uh, who watched Gargoyles in college. <laughs> Brent Spiner, who co-starred with Movie Take Manhattan star Gates McFadden. Hey, Star Trek: The Next hey. Amazing. And also, uh, uh, Brent Spiner, who appeared as Doctor Phil Van Nutter in <laughs> Muppets from Space. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, it's true. It's true. No, we're gonna get we're gonna get complaints. It's not true. Uh, Brent Spiner true. in in the movie Independence Day, they they made uh, a joke about that in Mums from space, a great movie where Phil Van Neuter quotes the line made semi-famous by uh, Brent Spiner. Yes. Yes. Brent Spiner in independence day. But although you, you know, what's fun telling people that the long haired doctor in independence day is data from star Trek because they don't believe it. Yeah. That's funny. You know, even though, like, I feel like to nerds like us, we're just like, yeah, it's it's old Brent Spiner, you know. It's hard for I people like... to think of Data as being anybody else, right? He's a robot. 
Right. I, I like that you say it like like it's a fun thing to do, as if you're like just walking down the street and like telling people just to see their reactions. <laughs> like, I think the fun part is that nobody actually cares. You've met, you've <laughs> met me before. You must know that that's actually fun for me. Like, oh, for sure. All right. What else happens in this clip? Who cares? Well, Who cares? The about other thing. <laughs> Karen Prell is actually still playing Red Fraggle because she uh, performed Red in the recent uh, Fraggle Rock Rock On series on Apple TV+. Oh, yeah, that's true. Well, and and actually, similar to that, we should mention that in more recent appearances, Yolanda has been performed by Julianne Boucher, not yes, Karen Prell. Yes, but Karen Prell is, the, like, she still does occasionally do puppetry. Right. Yeah, and she still seems just like Red, man. Yes. Like, the, uh, that... Fraggle Rock Rock On thing, which is like, it's fine. It's cute. Red feels exactly like she just stepped out of 1985. Yeah. You know, in it, it's great. She was my favorite thing about it, I think. But what else? What else happens here? The rats all get introduced. Rizzo says, what a crazy body. And Kermit shakes his head and says, yeah, (laughs) which I think is really funny. And then Kermit and the rats all start chattering at Pete about getting jobs. They just, which is like, I feel like that's the theme of this movie is groups of Muppets just making sounds. <laughs> it happens all the time and I love it. Um, and then Pete, of course, says rats want job. Frog want job. What next? Penguins? And then, yeah, of course, some penguins show up at the door and ask for jobs. It's an obvious <laughs> joke, but one of the best jokes in the movie. I, I think it's also like one of those jokes that uh, this feels very Muppet show that like a bunch of penguins would randomly show up just for a gag, which I I mean, I, I'm with you. I think it's one of the best jokes in the movie. I adore this scene. I'm so glad I get to talk about it. But it's also like it doesn't really fit in the world of Muppets Take Manhattan as much, right? Like this, this movie's so grounded. And then like penguins just randomly show up. I don't know. Yeah, it is a little wackier than most of it. It, it does seem like this might have been like you might think this would be on the list of stuff stuff that frank oz would decide to cut because it's a little too zany yeah i i kind of feel like the main reason to keep it is the way that dave goals as the lead penguin says well excuse us for living yeah <laughs> which is such a <laughs> now, now going, but like going back against what i just said is like that that reaction as funny as it is and as perfect as the delivery is it's not really a joke he's just like fine well screw you dude and then right. he walks out the door it's, it's a penguin which makes it more right. realistic. like that's more like something that would happen in new york like that's his like <laughs> i'm walking here that's true yeah oh, and then and then all of, the penguins you know, just I'm, leave in a huff going wah, 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 wah. right the penguins all <laughs> chatter like just like in the, everyone in this movie um but speaking of speaking of I'm walking here, we talked about all the other rat pun names. Rizzo's, Rizzo is named after Ratso Rizzo, Dustin oh, yeah. character in Midnight Cowboy. Yeah, who says so, the titular I'm walking here? Yeah, the, from, as the title. From the, the titular, titular I'm walking. walking. <laughs> yeah, from the quote, I'm walking here. That's the yes, title of, of the course. quote. That's the title yeah. of the quote. Yes. I, I also want to say about the penguins, um, did you guys notice that – so Jenny, as we've established, does like costume design or whatever – uh, or she's studying costume design. Um, did you notice that she has penguins on her collar? No. Of her of her diner outfit, she's got two little penguins on there. Oh no! So I didn't. she would she would have been ecstatic if there were penguins working there. She's obviously a big fan. Yeah, she missed yeah. out. Huh? huh. Yeah, I've never, I'm looking for it now, but I have never noticed that. Yeah, it's it's there. Unless unless there's oh, another yeah. bird that looks just like a an outline no, they, of a penguin. Yeah, those are little um, penguins. That's funny. So in in some way, the penguins are working there. At the diner. Just, yeah. they found a way to sneak in. Just on the collar. 
Yeah. Excuse them for living. Mm-hmm. And then uh, speaking of Jenny, she <laughs> says, she says, hey, Pop, everybody's waiting for their food. And the fact that like Jenny reminds him that they have customers who want to eat convinces Pete to begrudgingly give five new employees jobs <laughs> that he is presumably paying. Them. Hey, the people like, need it, their how many grits? Yeah, it, it never it never comes up like what kind of salary or benefits Kermit and the rats receive. But Pete's just like, oh, you want jobs? You got them. Jobs are a thing I, I'm giving you in the middle of a conversation. Now, now you're working. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, if they're that desperate for jobs, then they'll probably take anything he'll pay them. Like, they'll, like they're probably getting paid in soup with spoon, you know? Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Um, so then the so then Pete picks up Rizzo and gives him a great speech. One of my like, I, I feel like this is the underrated Pete moment, which is I'll tell you what is is no work is dancing is cheese uh, is big shoes. All right, rats, you go to work. Yeah, I, I got to say, I understand that even less than his famous people's is people's speech. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's impenetrable. <laughs> I did not understand what he was trying to say as a kid. Like, as a kid, I was like, like okay, so they're uh, like the rats like aren't allowed to dance. They're not allowed to be eating cheese. I got that. But then is big shoes. It's like, so the rats are going to be wearing big shoes. Like I, did, I totally didn't understand that until I was, I don't know, probably in like college, high school or college where it's like, Oh, he's going to step on them. Like that's like uh. big shoes. Like I'm going to, I'm going to go stomping around in the kitchen. That makes sense. Um, I think that there was a point where I thought he was like talking about Chuck E. Cheese or something, you know, hmm. dancing big sure. shoes. Or whatever. I don't think Chuck E. Cheese even existed with that name. As like a nationwide um, thing yet. It might have been like pretty new at this time. Not enough that anyone would, that th- not enough that they could assume that everyone would get the reference if it, right, if it right. was a reference. Yeah. It looks like Chuck E. Cheese's Pizza Time Theater d- was founded in 1977. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which but I, I, I don't, I wonder if there, there was a Chuck E. Cheese in New York City. Probably not. I don't know if Pete would really be aware of that. Yeah, I wonder if there ever was, or if I mean, there was. That a... is, isn't that Chucky? Isn't that Charles Entertainment Cheese's hometown? That's literally. I was about to explain. <laughs> is he from Brooklyn or something? Probably. We need to know more about Chuck E. Cheese here. Yeah. So, Joe, you wanted to talk about Chuck E. Cheese's birth certificate. I'm sorry, I stepped. No, no, I, no. I was just saying, like that's exactly like, that's my my go to whenever someone mentions Chuck E. Cheese. I have to explain his full name is Charles Entertainment Cheese. Yes. How is that any worse than, or any better than saying, "Hey, did you know Brent Spiner is an independent?" Like, <laughs> you're, 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 you're no better I, I than think me, he's got you there. <laughs> Look, I didn't say that it, was, that it was bad to talk about Brent Spiner and Independence yeah, Day. Yeah, I'm just yeah, saying, yeah, you're just like you're just like, "Hey, loser! Nobody cares if Brent <laughs> yeah. Spiner is an Independence Day." It's like I have, I have like you. I think all three of us do this, where there's certain things when like someone says something about Ricky Ricardo, and I have to be like, you know, in his native Cuba. His name would have been Ricardo Ricardo. <laughs> it's just like, it just, it's right there on the tip of my tongue. I can't not say it. Right, right. You know? it's, it's There's like a Billy... song on the radio. I have to hum along. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. It's like how Billy D. Williams' real name is William December Williams Jr. Yeah. William wow. December Williams. That's Jr. Insane. That was his, his dad's name. name. Like, that's <laughs> it's <wild>. crazy. It's crazy. <sighs> Scooby-Doo's real name is Scoobert Dubert. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is it, it Scoobert Dubert? I don't know. It might be Scoobert Do, but Scoobert still. Yeah. Come on. Great. It's I just like saying Scoobert Dubert. Of course. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> this is what, great what, stuff. 
Oh man, I'm so glad we're friends, you guys. All right. <laughs> Is anyone still listening to the podcast? No, no. Yes, all the me. all the Chuck E. Cheese fans and Scooby Doo fans are loving this stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh, thank everyone, goodness. Everyone who attended Charles Entertainment Cheese's naming ceremony. All right. <laughs> so, what else? Oh, so then the Rizzo and them, Rizzo and those oh. guys all get jobs. Wait, wait, before before you get to that, so like the scene where where Pete is is holding Rizzo, um, which by the way is like some uh, some really interesting puppetry because like Rizzo's like moving around and stuff, and I, I can't tell where the where the rods are. Well, I think it's it, or the, if it's it, a, isn't it a remote controlled Rizzo at that point? It, it might be. Yeah, it seems seems likely. Um, have you guys talked about what's on Rizzo's shirt? Because I I actually don't know, but I was trying to zoom in on it. Because like that's a really good close up of of, of that, mm. and like it says something, and I I think in my memory it said Pete's, but that definitely doesn't say Pete's. I don't know if, no. if you guys, it's, yeah, it has a logo. Either. It looks, I think I it know. does say Pete's, like on some, uh, like he's he's wearing a shirt that says Pete's when we first see those when the Muppets first are all sitting in the diner. He's definitely mm, okay. wearing a shirt that says Pete's then. This one I didn't notice. Is this it is a yellow t-shirt with like an orangish reddish logo on the front. Oh. It, it kind of looks like a. No, that's just a white shirt with red. Like in those scenes, he's wearing a t-shirt that says Pete's. Yeah, he's okay. talking about the one in this scene. It's it's that yellow shirt. I'm talking about the one yeah. in this scene. Yeah, the yellow one. Yeah, I don't know. It, lo- it almost looks like a band logo. I'm kind of curious, especially like they 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 didn't have to make more than one shirt for Rizzo for this yeah, movie. He could have worn the same thing straight through. You know, Fozzie Bear doesn't change his necktie uh, depending on the time of day. Oh, um, it um, reminds me a little bit of the logo for Ego Waffles, but I don't think he's wearing an Ego's <laughs> t-shirt. Yeah, I don't know. I just uh-huh. found a picture of Rizzo online wearing a yellow shirt that says Cheesehead on it, but I don't know if that's the same <laughs> shirt necessarily. <laughs> what a cheesehead! He is a cheesehead. He, that, that guy loves to eat anything. He's just eating. He's shoving it down. Did, did you guys see Muppet Steak Manhattan? Or I mean. Did you guys see Bubba Treasure Island? Oh man, Rizzo like food. I've seen it. Rizzo yeah. like food. Rizzo eats seven pig islanders in that movie off screen. It's very Whoa. strange. It's all alive. That's that's what he does. Yikes. I mean, like he saw, he said Yolanda has a crazy body. I think Rizzo's got a crazy body that he can eat all that stuff in that tiny little rat. What a body. crazy metabolism. <laughs> Yeah. So, and then uh, he he actually, as they're leaving, he asks Yolanda, "So uh, you got a boyfriend or what?" And she doesn't respond. Like, like, like that's what bothers me. It's like, again, I think this is the 2015 show coloring my perception of her. Mm-hmm. But like the Yolanda that we come to know later would have like definitely snapped back at him for like saying what a crazy body, and yeah. would definitely yeah. like have some sort of answer to you got a boyfriend. Y- you know, Yolanda gets a lot of agency once Julia yeah. Brewster takes over the character. Yeah, and um, this one she doesn't. She's like you say, she's just a well, she's, she's a prop. A you know, yeah, she's a prop. She really is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you notice uh, that? And I, I never would have noticed this if I hadn't, if it wasn't like looking at this two minutes at a time with you guys. Um, when he says, "So like, you got a boyfriend or what?" The so like is doubled there's two rizzo voices on top of each other but you got a boyfriend or what is not it's a weird i i mean maybe it was just in the clip that that you sent me um i don't think it was because nothing else kind of had that weird audio effect but yeah there's like two rizzo voices for two words no that's weird i wonder if that was just like some kind of recording glitch or mixing glitch yeah yeah i mean also who cares 
but I noticed it. We and we're talking about this two minutes at a time, to, so we might we as well have, mention it. We're talking about it a lot. Yeah, we have to document <laughs> everything. Yeah, we're talking about it a lot. We're not talking about it a little bit. So then Kermit starts to beg for a job, and Jenny, Jenny says, we could always use help in the kitchen. And then so then Pete agrees. Again, having just hired four new employees – in addition to the two that he are and like, and like, is Jenny even get paid or is it like a, you know, like on Bob's burgers, how the mm. kids work there and don't get paid. Is it like that kind of situation? I don't, we don't know. know. She's got to pay for fashion school somehow. Yeah. I assume that Pete, I assume that Pete is paying for school or, or, or at least like maybe she got a scholarship and he's like housing her. And in, in exchange, she works at the restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. That's mm. possible. Yeah. yeah. But I never thought about that. Do you, yeah. I guess it's reasonable to think that she probably still lives with him. Yeah. But anyways, he uh, he tri- just tripled his workforce, and now he's going to add one more because his daughter's like, hey, you should hire this other guy, too. Because so she's like, come on. Come on. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, good point. Yep, that's what happened. But Kermit doesn't get a doesn't get a, a speech like like Rizzo did. He doesn't get a, a like, a, is banjo playing? Is is going to be, I don't know. Is <laughs> <laughs> webbed feet. Is webbed feet. <laughs> But he does he does get to very enthusiastically say, Ah, oh, thanks, Pete. That's terrific. Oh boy. Ha ha. Yeah. So, and then he like, does this like little dance where he's like, hopping back and forth. And yeah, I, like I always thought adorable. it's adorable, but I always thought that it went went on for like one second too long, which made me think that Jim Henson was like making Kermit bounce back and forth for like a good a good minute and a half before Frank Oz called cut. <laughs> And Kermit was just so excited. He just doesn't want to wash the dishes. He's just going to keep like, oh boy, ha ha ha, hey, oh, hey, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's what he does. Hey, hey, oh, those happy feet. That's what he does for the rest <laughs> of the movie. Um, that's all that happens for the rest of the movie is Kermit does a hopping dance. <laughs> so then, uh, anyways, Jenny asks Kermit, you know, where are all your friends? And Kermit says they all had to leave. And she says, even your pig friend, which I think is such a great. Like wait, like J- Jenny knows. Jenny knows Kermit and Piggy had a thing, you know. But uh, but I really like that. That's how she asked it. And yeah, it's a, it's a delicate way of of bringing up Piggy. Yeah, and then Kermit for the forty thousandth time in a row says that he's staying in New York to sell the show. He literally yelled it from the top of the Empire State Building. But here we got to hear him say it again out loud. Like we well, Jenny didn't know. hear him. Yeah, well, Jenny was in New York City. She should have heard him. Yeah, everyone. Like he said it to the whole city. Yeah, Miss Piggy heard him on the ground. Yep. Um, But anyways, (laughs) so he says it, and then Jenny says, "I'm going to do something special too. I mean, in fashion." And this is when a light bulb goes off in Kermit's head, because he says, "Uh, "Maybe your fashion design can help me now," (laughs) which rules. And then uh, he, but then he goes on to say, "I did some reading last night about Broadway producers and investors and agents and everything." So this is 1984. Kermit did not just like click around on the internet and learn what Broadway producers are. like. He went to the New York Public Library. He went to the library. He yes. a reference book about how Broadway shows are produced, which is my favorite thing. I, Kermit I think it's also done. possible he read like ver- like a couple of variety magazines or something. Mm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Sure. I don't know. That That's the first thing I thought. But I, I could also see Kermit like we'll talk about this next week, but like the way he goes about you know, like actually approaching some of these people tells me that he doesn't know who they are. So like, he probably did go to the library and read a, like a book, like a reference book 
It's like like reading the encyclopedia entry on on Broadway agents, and it's like I got it. I'm an expert now. Right, right, yeah. yeah that's... And then while he was at the library, he ran into Lavar Burton. Oh yeah, there you go. Oh, is that when that that's happened? Exactly no, he's looking for books on they... pigs that day. He was, but it mm. could have been now too because he misses Piggy. It, I mean, I think it lines up. You can, hey, look, uh, you can, look, in, you can look in more than one section canon. of the library. Yeah, yeah. That I when I saw Kermit's cameo on Reading Rainbow back in the day, that was so exciting when that episode. Uh, showed up on pbs and and like to bring it around like i'm sure anthony felt the same way like when they did a star trek the next generation episode it was like all worlds were colliding yes yeah well and and actually that episode of ring rainbow was like my introduction to star trek you know really like i i didn't yeah i i think i've i'm sure i've told both of you in real life my dad doesn't like star trek so i like wasn't allowed to watch it as a kid just (laughs) because it's for nerds you know um, and my dad and I have a great relationship that, that makes him sound like he's like way more anti-nerd than he really is or whatever. But, um, anyways, we didn't watch Star Trek, but that episode of reading rainbow made it seem like the coolest show ever, you know, the part, where they, the part where they show the water swirling in a, in a like cylindrical tube to make the transporter effects. Yeah. Mm. That blew my mind. Cool. It still does. Like, you know, when I watch that episode. Yeah. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but and and speaking of which, Lavar hosted Reading Rainbow, also on Next Gen with Brent Spiner and Gates McFadden. That's why I brought it up. Oh, okay. Full Gates circle, Mc... man. Gates McFadden is in this movie. This 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 movie, <laughs> Muppet Segment Hand, is basically a Star Trek movie. Is what we're saying. It's Mupp- basically it's the prequel. It's a prequel. To the next oh my god! For of all the Star Treks, it's a prequel. Muppet Segment Hand <laughs> yes. has more in common. With Star Trek: The Next Generation, than Star Trek Nemesis does. That's <laughs> it's that's true. absolutely true. <laughs> uh, all right. So then uh, Kermit says to Jenny, "Now, now I know what he says. Now I know what I have to do to sell our show. I could use your help because I have a three-part plot." And that's when he stops talking. But like we do the joke a lot, where we're like, we don't know what he's going to say. But here's the thing. We never find out what the third part of Kermit's three-part plan is in this movie. <laughs> oh, is that true? Yeah, the first – well, as we'll see, the first part is is Bafosaki Len- – Bafisaki. 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 Lenny. And then the second part is the whispering campaign. And then the third part never happens. There's no, there's hmm. no third part because Kermit uh, goes to meet Ronnie Crawford in between or whatever. Wow, that's just like in – uh, the Last Jedi, when Luke Skywalker tells Rey that he has three lessons for her, and he only teaches her two of those lessons because the third one got cut from the movie. Yeah, but also those are two of the greatest movies ever made, so it's fine. Yes, well, and the, so maybe, I, yeah, obviously something got cut somewhere along the line. There must have been, they must have intended for Kermit to have a third part to his plan. Yeah, I wonder if this is more like like they're subconsciously setting up setting us up for like a rule of three thing. Like, of course there's three, there's always three. And then they, when they were writing the movie, they're like, we don't need to do a third thing. It's, it's a waste of time. Like we got the jokes out. Let's move on with the story. Right. Right. Yeah. Could be. Cause they do feel pretty similar. The, the two that we see, obviously it's like Kermit wears a silly costume and yeah. goes to a place and pretends to be a big shot. You know? I mean, the other thing yeah. is, is like the third part could be like, you know, in the jokes of like, you know, step one, whatever, step two, question mark, step three, profit, where it's like, yeah, part three is we put on the show. And then when parts one and right. two fail, it's like, well, of course, there's no part three. Part three was success. Yeah, right. Okay. 
Yeah, enough. that could be. Part, although I, that, I do love the idea then that part one is like, put on an afro and pretend to have a meeting with an agent. <laughs> part two, yes. put on a fake mustache and go to a restaurant. Like, part I mean, three, success. It does make sense, though. Like, okay, so so thinking about how Broadway shows are made, <laughs> uh, like step one is uh, you get you get a, an agent involved. Step two is you got to get funding. So they he went to a fancy restaurant and got people excited about it, so that maybe you know maybe they could uh, you know get people to invest in the show. And then part three is production. And so you know. It didn't work that way, but that kind of makes sense in a, you know, we're going to trick a whole bunch of people into <laughs> into funding and producing this this show they've never heard of. But, you know. All right. That's true. But, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how so he just kind of stumbles into part three happening. Yeah, that's true. He, uh, but then he gets, well, we'll find out. We don't know yet. We've never seen We'll it. find out. We've never seen this. We saw <laughs> Like, the problem is we all saw Independence Day so many times that we didn't have time to watch Muppet's Take Manhattan. All, all, right, all of my memories of Muppet's Take Manhattan have been pushed out because I've watched <laughs> Independence Day too many times. There you go. So that's why no, you're that's trying it again. That's, that's right. Why you're trying this is to- the one where Gonzo says, welcome to Earth, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyways, all right. So that brings us to the end of the clips. Anything else before we go? Joe, I'll start with you. Yeah. Um, so, uh, stop me if you guys talked about this already, but, um, I, so I noticed that all over Pete's restaurant, um, on the cash register, around the cash register area, back in the kitchen, they've got postcards and stuff all over the place. And, um, most of them are like photos, you know, I don't know where they're from. It doesn't matter. But one of them, uh, there's a big one on the cash register in, in this scene. And it's not a photo. It's, it's an art piece. And so I was curious, what is this? And I tried zooming in on it. It's really blurry, whatever. Um, but hey, it's uh, 2020, and we have uh, we have uh, the internet, or it's 2021, depending on when this episode's going up. Uh, we have the internet, and there's people on Reddit who like you can ask them a question, and they'll just answer it for free. Um, so uh, the other day, I posted uh, an image uh, on Reddit and asked if anyone can identify what the art piece is, and someone responded. I got an answer. Isn't that amazing? So um, the art piece that's on the cash register is called A Reading from Homer. And it's uh, yeah. it was painted in 1885 by Sir Lawrence Alma Tadema. I think I'm pronouncing that right. And it is currently at uh, the, the Philadelphia Museum of Art. So my guess is someone either like, like a Pete's regular went to Philadelphia and was like, I'm going to send this postcard to my buddy Pete or to my friend Jenny um, or Pete and Jenny like to travel a bit, and one of them went to Philadelphia, and they went to the museum and liked this painting so much, they brought back a postcard and, and decided to display it on the cash register. Aww. I totally believe that. Yeah, yeah, I like that idea. So, a little backstory. Yeah, Philadelphia is just a short train ride away from Manhattan. So That's true. That's true. And they have art there, apparently. They do. That's where and they keep bell, it. a bell, I think, with a crack in it. <laughs> and the cream cheese. Yeah. Yeah, and this and this guy named Rocky Balboa, you should check it out. Yeah, yeah he that there. guy loves cream cheese. He, he he does. He also loves raw eggs. You guys ever see that one? You should check it out. Underrated. It's a good movie. That's the Mark. only one I've seen. And like he goes up the stairs and he's like, "Hey, I'm walking here." Remember that? I, yeah, hey, Adrian, I'm walking. Classic Rocky. Um, wait, Ryan. Okay, you've never seen any of the Rocky sequels? 
I've seen Rocky, the first one. I've never seen Rocky 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, whatever. It's, it's up after 8, but I, okay. I am certain you would love Rocky 4, a movie. Is with, that the one with the robot? Yeah, that's, because I do. That's the one with the robot, but it's also like 60% montages. It's 85 minutes. There's nothing not to love. <laughs> It's great. Rocky Four is the best. Rocky yeah. Four is a movie about about a boxer who punches so hard he ends the Cold War. It's true. That's it's true. the plot of the movie. Yeah, that's, that's what amazing. happens. No, I I'm gonna yeah. watch all of them probably. Like you know, someday I'm gonna watch every Rocky movie in yeah. two weeks or I something. Would, like I, I thought love, about doing that. In, I in, like that, like, like I would love to sit down and watch every Rocky movie with you. That's like my dream. I, I thought about do doing it. that, like, now that we're all, like, kind of still, you know, quarantined with, with this COVID stuff. Uh, that seemed like a really good project, because I've only seen four of the nine Rocky movies. Only eight. I think There's only four, eight. Four, eight. Sorry, I meant to say, Ryan said nine, excuse me. Four of the eight Rocky movies. Um, and, like, I don't know, like, I'd like to, I'd like to try them all, like, see, see, see how that goes. I don't know. Yeah, let's do it. Maybe I, I'll become I will, a boxing fan. I haven't seen Creed two yet, so we'd we'd Me all you you know. Do, should we do right. this? Should we should we all watch the Rock movies yeah. together? Let's do it. Yes, that would rule. I would love should, that. Should that be the next thing we do over on the other podcast feed? Yes, <laughs> we can start. Well, Muppet fan podcast Kermit, presents the Kermit, Rocky movies. Kermit the Frog is in Rocky three. You know that, right? Right. That's right. Yes. Yes, I do. Okay. All right. Well, we'll we'll, we'll save it for the podcast for our Rocky podcast. Great. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna start with the Stallone episode of the Muppet Show. And then do all eight Rocky movies. Okay. All right. That'll be the that'll be the end. All right. So <laughs> if there's nothing, and did did you have anything else, Ryan? Oh yeah. My only other thing is Kermit has another one of these little uh, nice uh, puppetry things that I always like to look for, where he's talking to Jenny, and as he starts to say that he has a three part plan, he leans forward and puts his little green hands on the counter, which I just I don't know. I just love those little puppet moments that make the characters feel more real. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and that's a that's a great angle for Kermit as well. That like it's slightly up and like it's just like a like you could take a photo of any frame from that scene where his his hands are little hands are on the counter. And it's just like it's a great yeah. picture of Kermit. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. Looks good. All right. So that does I think then bring us down to the end. Uh listeners, you can always find toughpigs.com on the internet, Facebook, Twitter, all over the place. You can email us at moving right along at toughpigs.com. Please do that. Uh, our theme music is by Stacy Rosen. Our logo was designed by Morgan Davey, so thank you to both of them. You can follow Ryan on Twitter at me, Ryan Rowe. And Joe, where can our listeners find you if for some reason they have not yet found you and they are listening to this podcast? Please find me. I'm lost. Um, I am on Twitter at Joe Hennis. That's my name. And I'm on Instagram at ToughPigsJoe. I rarely post either one because i'm always posting on tough pigs social media stuff so follow tough pigs for any if you care at all about things that i say <laughs> <laughs> well i sure do and uh listeners also remember to give us a review a pause the most positive review that you've ever given anything Give us that on your your podcast. Twenty stars. Twenty stars. Yes, <laughs> it's going to be a cornucopia of stars for moving right along. Um, and uh, and join us again next week, where we will be back with another episode of whatever this is. Moving right along. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye, Adrian. Well, excuse us for living. Quack, quack, quack.